in my head, it looks good. On the rack, it looks good. On them, it's just like, this ain't me. Right. And I know that that not ruined my reputation, but put me off with those people in the beginning. And as a stylist, I'm sure you see it too. You can tell when the outfit is wearing the person. Right. The person wearing the clothes. You are now tuned in to Dear Stylist Beyond the Showroom. Grab a cocktail while we uncover the unfashionable side of the industry. Check us out on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Dear Stylist. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, you guys? You are now tuned in to episode two of Dear Stylist Beyond the Showroom. I am your host, Jane Doe, and we are here with my fashion favorite, Regina Moretto. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. So how are you doing right now with all that is going on? How are you maintaining and, you know, what's going on with you? Um, I'm doing uh, pretty good. Honestly, I wear many hats. So it was interesting for me to kind of navigate and change up how I do things and still be able to be a creative but just being able to go into that survival mode or hustle mode and switch things around in in a creative way is what you know I think everybody had to figure out during quarantine and then just in this new space that we're in right now too Yeah, I think it's pretty much forcing us to use our resources that we already have because even the resources that are open to us, everybody's limited. So let's just say you go to a restaurant, we're not getting the full menus right now, or you'll go to, right. you know, everybody's been having to um, adjust, myself included. I was already preparing for this prior to, but not to this extent. So it's been super fun. Um, building out different programs and digital products for fashion stylists. So it's been super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So what I want to do to start off is ask you two questions. And we want to kind of get a gist of who you are when you're not fashion styling or when you're not in the showroom. We want to see where you are beyond that. So if fashion styling didn't exist, Mm -hmm. where do you think you would be right now? Um. That's funny. Before I became a fashion stylist, I was an IT professional. So it's completely different lane. I went from technical to creative. But honestly, thinking about it, I don't think I would still be in IT if I wasn't a fashion stylist. I think I would have still found a way to be creative. And I would probably be doing something in film. I also I would be using my skills as a writer and probably trying to get into the writing scene or into film or TV series. I love that aspect of visuals. That's super dope. I could see that for you actually doing um, (laughs) art direction and a whole bunch of other stuff. Regina is so talented, you guys, and hopefully we get into a little bit of her mini hats. Well, we're about to in a second. So my next question when you're not fashion styling, like who are you when you're not a fashion stylist right now? <laughs> I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that. I am a nerd. I am a big nerd. Um, the funny thing is I, I'm interested in so many things. It's so weird to talk about it because I feel a little pretentious about it. Like, like I feel 
fake when I talk about it, but I am, I'm interested in so many different things. I just had a very well-rounded childhood and a very well-rounded upbringing so that I was exposed to a lot of different things. I am, like I said, I'm, I am a nerd. I love to learn and I'm a student of the world. So in that I bring, yeah, those aspects just circling back to the styling and creative direction and photography. I studied art history. And so having art history and art appreciation, I bring that into my styling and when I'm not a stylist, I'm looking at the world through a creative lens. I'm being inspired. I'm, you know, doing nerdy shit, (laughs) (laughs) reading, (laughs) watching anime, playing video games. (laughs) We have the literal same life over here. So funny story, you guys, before we even get into the topic of uh, this episode, I met Regina, which was so odd, through a mutual friend, Ezra, who's in Dallas. And me and Regina live five minutes away from each other. Keep in mind, we're both um, sought-out Houston fashion stylists. We've heard of each other, never crossed paths before, ever, until uh, Ezra introduced us. So it's been such great energy ever since then. So I've been super excited to meet her. And I'm excited for you guys to get insight of on who she is as well because you are more than just a fashion stylist. And that's kind of what I wanted to tap on <laughs> with this whole, you know, platform. We Sometimes we have to just market ourselves just to be this one thing in order for us to succeed. But we are yes. multi-talented and we are able to do, you know, a plethora of things. So I wanted to showcase that and then also of course talk about the stylist stuff because that's why everyone is here right yes that's why they're here right so if you guys didn't check out the title today we're going to be talking about our very first times as fashion stylists like our different fashion styling moments in the industry and hopefully you guys are able to pick up something and learn something from this um because I've made a whole bunch of mistakes. I'm going to share a few today. <laughs> and, you know, we see where we go from there. So I personally would like to talk about my very first time styling a celebrity. Um, it was 2011. I had just made 18. Like, I was freshly 18, off to college. And um, I went to high school with August Alcina. Um, he ended up introducing me to Roscoe Dash around 2011. This is when he was in his Marvin Gaye and Chardonnay era. And I remember just thinking I knew everything, right? Because I had been styling fashion shows here. And I've been styling since I was 14. So I'm thinking I just know everything. No. Celebrity styling <laughs> was like a whole different ball game. And I didn't know yes. I didn't know what I was in for, so I'm being confident. I was way more cocky than I am now, and I'm actually greater than I was back then. But <laughs> I remember a, real quick, right? <laughs> Listen, that situation really made me become on my p's and q's, and that's why I, I work so hard now. You're gonna see why. <laughs> so I'm styling Roscoe Dash, and it is for the BT Hip Hop Awards, I believe. So he had met me, we vibed, he loved my ideas, he loved like my energy, and we we had a lot of creative ideas. I actually wanted to um, change his look from like the very beginning. So I approached him, and I kind of used the Jay-Z approach. You know how he went from 
getting certain type of jobs and then he changed his look. He got paired with June Ambrose and she elevated yeah. his look and he started being in the rooms. I wanted yeah. to bring him that approach back in 2011, 2012. So I presented that to him. He thought it was a great idea. So, you know, we began to, um, you know, we began to start working. So here we go. It's the BT Hip Hop Awards. And during this time beforehand, we had already did like some creative visuals for, it was great up until these, <laughs> up until these BT Awards. So um, he calls me. He's like, okay, I have this look, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, cool. Around this time, um, he was in the process of being blackballed. And I'm not going to get into that, but that ended up happening. And um, that's another thing. And I'll speak about that on another day about what do you do when you're a personal stylist for a client and they're no longer getting that same work. So we'll talk about that on another episode. But um, he was in that process. So he was already under um, an immense amount of stress. And we came up with this fire look. I was super excited. I had been working on a look for weeks leading up to the hip hop awards because I wanted it to be perfect. So um they gave us the budget. I called Barney's and I was Nordstrom and I'm ordering all these things from all these different places. And I didn't know at the time I was living in Atlanta because I was a Clark Atlanta student that I could have just well you know what I'm lying. I tried to pull from a few showrooms but they they wasn't giving nothing. It was it was a weird experience trying to pull at the time. So I was like, you know what? I have enough time. I'm going to order everything. That's a big mistake because that left little room for us to have the proper fitting. So we didn't know anything, excuse me, up until I actually got on set that day, which was terrible. So um, everything is getting sent to me. I ordered maybe a extra button down from H&M just to have something as backup. I also ordered some button downs from Nordstrom. They sent it to me with the, the beeper still on it, the sensor still on it. Wow. So we're in Atlantic Station. Is it Atlantic Station or Atlantic? It's Atlantic Station in Atlanta. So we're there, and I get a phone call from him. He says that the hotel room burnt down. They changed locations. So in the midst of me prepping, I had to literally re figure out how I was gonna get all the way over there, and it was that it was a whole nother story. But the census was on it, and it was packed around this time. It's the award season; everybody's at Atlantic Station. I go down to an H and M. They couldn't take the sensor off because they don't have the same sensors as a Nordstrom's or a Saks, so they couldn't even take it off. So someone ripped a hole in the entire shirt. So it, it was just, it was just such a mess with the hotel room. And then a I, tragedy. it was, listen, it was such a tragedy. And I just wanted to impress him so bad because it was my first time. And I'm like, okay, if I mess this up, I'm done. And, but everything is going wrong. Like anything you could think about is going completely wrong. Um, I think when I was going to grab something from downstairs, somebody burnt the other shirt that we were supposed to have him on. And it was just so many things going on with the shoes, with the nothing was right. Um, I had ordered him some YSL brooches, brooches and things like that. None of it, everything was wrong. So um, we had to just throw on some jeans and a T-shirt and just kick it. We was late for red carpet. 
Um, and then we just kind of part ways. So here I am. It's in Atlantic Station. It's late at night at this point. I have boxes on boxes of stuff. These little people tried to rob me for all the stuff that I was left with at Atlantic Station. Well, so, oh my goodness. Like, oh my goodness. First of all, you were having the worst day ever. Ever. Okay. <laughs> we're going wrong. Everything. I mean, down to all of the wardrobe malfunctions, your backups. And I know you probably were feeling like you were losing confidence through it, but yes, I'm glad to hear that you didn't have a meltdown. You continued to persevere. And it's like, I almost did. Ooh. I wanted to pass we out. Can't show them that in our head, we are screaming like, Oh my God. Versus we're showing them, okay, well, let's, let's, let's work this out. We can make this work, you know, cause that is like a big part of our job is making them feel confident. Even if it's not the ideal outfit and the best situation, yep. we have to make them feel confident in what we send them down the, the red carpet in. Yep. I didn't even mention this part. So we had a bow tie malfunction, right? Because online, they didn't say it was a manual tie that you had to yeah, you know, you put together to, yeah. on your own. And <laughs> I did not on. know about, I was not that technical yet. To, when it came to detailing, I was just like, oh my God, how am I going to put this on? I don't know how to do this. He didn't know how to either. So that turned into a whole nother meltdown. And I was just like, there's so many people in here. I'm like, I just don't know what to do. I was just kind of like, all right, my man. Um, I understand. If you, you ain't with it, <laughs> I, I get not. you. <laughs> I was just like, like you know what? If, if it doesn't happen, I'm completely okay with it. Luckily, it didn't ruin me. Uh, we're still in touch to this day. But um, it, listen... <laughs> When I tell you there were so many things, um, I could have researched more. I could I never had a mentor. Even still to now, I've never had a mentor. So I didn't know, which is why I'm glad I made some of those mistakes because those mistakes are why everything's been, you know, on the up and up ever since. But in that moment I felt like, All right, this is this is, this it, is it. Me. <laughs> after today <laughs> that was it for me yeah because i knew how important it was for him to be there considering everything that was like happening in that moment and i didn't want to add on to that and i knew it was just like god dang i can't catch a break he can't catch a break so it was just like okay i know now this is what i need to do moving forward and while the whole time there was a both a bow tie station at these award shows where they assist you with that so, uh, so yeah, <laughs> that is my first time story from styling a celebrity. Um, <laughs> who um, goodness, like there's so many points that I wanted to like circle back to in your story too, because like I've had a bow tie fiasco, not with a celebrity, but with doing a um, editorial shoot. And of course, bow ties, like most guys learn how to tie their own tie, but they right. don't learn how to tie a bow tie. Oh. And, you know, I had a whole bow tie shoot that I was doing for a boutique. And when I had the, you know, when you get the little strings, it's like, 
Oh, what am I supposed to do with this? Bow tie, bow tie. Like, <laughs> like, like right. I tie bow tie. Level 10 bow tie over here. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I sit there and looked up a YouTube and found how to tie a bow tie. And me and the guy, one of the models, figured it out together. So, like, we have it on his neck. I'm standing on a step stool to try to reach up to him because he's, like, 6'2". And I'm trying to, like, you know, tie it and make it look decent. And we're just like, okay. Now that we got the mechanics of this, let's try it again. Take it off, start over, you know, because I'm a perfectionist. Same. So I'm not going to let it look <laughs> any kind of way. And it's just like, I started sweating. <laughs> Listen. And I can imagine you there. And this is like a red carpet moment, you know, the pressure. Ooh. But like, what happened with the whole, the, the station, the Atlantic station, like when they tried to rob you, how did you get out of that? I was like, y'all can have this shit. I don't want it. Take it. Your life I is was more, not a, more important. Listen, yeah. I was like, take everything. You can have everything over here. Yeah. I didn't want it. Take it. Yeah. They didn't even take everything. They just, I was just like, just take it. I'll leave it here. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, it, it was, I, it wasn't as like scary as I would imagine. Mm-hmm. It was just weird. It was just so random because it's people casually walking. This is Atlantic Station. So, I'm just, I'm, it was just like a casual I'm I'm about to get this up off you you can have it take it and I went home with what I had left and I just I was just like okay <laughs> well he's like oh, well I'm alive and uh, I was just I was so worse. surviving that whole day with the fire from the hotel room from the sensors on the clothes from the burning of the clothes I'm one who had social anxiety before I heard it was a thing. So I never wanted to be in big crowds of people ever. It's never been my thing. So I'm just like, what did I get myself into? Like, I'm freshly 18. We think we're grown when we're 18. Yes. My ma'am, <laughs> I wanted to call my mama and be like, okay. <laughs> I wasn't ready. So I did take that time to, like, evaluate what I did wrong and I took more time to start connecting with designers and showrooms and that's when I started building relationships because that's very important when you need a favor when you need you know if if the tables were turned and the situation was different what I probably would have done is I definitely would have pulled more options I would have pulled as much as possible I wouldn't have just relied on bringing one look and just banking on that to work. That's a stylist no-no. Always bring options. Always have a variety. Always. always be able to have a backup. Because sometimes people lie about their measurements. That happens to me yeah. all the time. Especially with my reality star clients. They lie about these hips to race to butt ratios. And yes. clothes don't fit. And I'm looking unprofessional. And it's not me. <laughs> but yeah. um, it was, you know. I've gotten to the point now, like where I can pretty much eyeball a person's size. And yeah, now it's like, yeah, <laughs> and it's almost like a, a like a parlor trick because like I've done that for one of my clients, and so she gave me her sizes, and I was looking at it, and I was like, okay, you know, like mind you, like the sizes she gave me was not what was in my head, so I pulled different things, multiple options, mm-hmm. and I remember. Um, she had a friend that was styling her before I came on board. And so we go to the shoot and all the stuff that of course her friend pulled did not fit. And so I had like one or two things in the size she told me, Mm -hmm. but the rest of the rack was all in the size that I knew 
fit her. And so she was just so impressed and so excited. Like, oh my God, like, how did you know? Like, oh my goodness, like yeah. everything, fits, everything looks good. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm just, this is what I do. And, you know, uh, I didn't, cause you don't want to make them feel self-confident, like self-conscious about it either. Right. So it's just like, I'll just get you some other things, some other options. And especially too, with, as like women in the public eye, we, our weight fluctuates, we lose yes. weight, you know, sometimes things get a little plump and it's like, Oh, you know, I didn't know I was feeling a little hippie today. So you got to <laughs> kind of compensate for that. And my thing too, as a stylist is, I feel like the most important thing for me is making sure that I incorporate the personality of the, the talent that I'm yep. working on. That's because important. Like, I can have in my mind a vision of an amazing look and my client be like, no, I don't like that. Absolutely not. Like, they're just like, that's not me. Or, you know, it's, it's a kind of a trade-off, like convincing them what will work for them, what looks good for them. Right. And, and kind of also guiding them and still allowing them to be themselves in that. Because mm -hmm. like you were saying about, you know, how you wanted to transform that last client. I wanted to do that with so many different clients. And sometimes you know, especially when I was younger, yep. I hit it the wrong way, like too hard. I'm like, let's do this. Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, in my head, it looks good on the rack. It looks good on them. It's just like, this ain't me. Right. And I know that that not ruined my reputation, but put me off with those people in the beginning. Like everybody, you know, coming full circle, I'm good with everybody. I don't have any yeah. problems with anybody in the industry. But I know at that time that was up to just useful cockiness. Like yeah. you think you know everything and guess what? You don't. That's not how you style a client. Like exactly. and as a stylist, I'm sure you see it too. You can tell when the outfit is wearing the person. Right. The person wearing the clothes. Yeah. Exactly. So what my method is, what it's grown to be is when I'm styling someone, I'm just making enhancements on who they already are. Because yes. you can put the same exact outfit on many different people and they're not going to give it to you the same because if it's for them, it's for them. And if it's not, it's more of a, yeah. right. You want to give somebody something where it's just like a, a pick me up or a confidence boost that, a you know, help them lift yeah. their shoulders up a little bit. Nothing that's going to take them so out of their comfort zones that they're feeling more uncomfortable than they did before they came to you. So I yeah. think that's super important. Do you remember the very first time you styled someone or your first client? Um, I remember my very first, I'm trying to remember my very first celebrity client. I remember my first editorial. Um, I'm trying to think. So that's also a question too. So I was going to ask you your first regular client and then also your first celebrity client. And then tell me about both of those experiences. Okay. So, um, Let's split that into three. My first editorial, my first regular person, like personal styling for a client, and then a celebrity. So my first editorial, woo, years, I don't even remember what year it was, um, but I did. I had the insight to find a mentor. I found a mentor, talked to them um, a lot, and I was headed into my first um photo shoot I coordinated everything from the top to bottom beginning to end selected the models I and the funny thing about it was I didn't realize at that point that I was doing creative direction right out the door yeah I came in with the concept <laughs> yeah the concept 
the wardrobe, the models. I picked the makeup artist. I picked the photographer. I put the whole team together. Location, secured oh, the yeah. location yes. here in Houston. <laughs> I was like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Talk to location about do I need to get permits, whatever, whatever. Do we need to have insurance? Crazy. Um, the staging for, um, it's just everything. Yeah. Um, I think it was six models, if I remember three male and three female models. Mm -hmm. And it was a crazy, it wasn't crazy as in like over the top, but the concept was um, very Russian uh, aristocracy was what we were going for. (laughs) And we were out in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) I was going for a very, very Vogue type storyline. Um, a very diverse set of models. Um, it was interesting. It was interesting and it was very well executed. I'm very proud of the team and everything because even if I were to pull it out now and show this concept, it was very striking and it still looked very rough and new, (laughs) but, and I remember just everyone, all of them were agency models. And this is, and this is going to bring up a very funny story about being here in Houston as a stylist. Mm -hmm. And when I started, as a stylist because there weren't a lot of stylists. Actually, I can count on one hand how many stylists there were in Houston when I first started. Now you throw a rock and you get a million stylists in Houston. Everybody's a stylist. Everybody. (laughs) Everyone. We all are stylists. (laughs) All Tito Shade. Everyone's a stylist in Houston. But um, at that point, you know, the fact that these agency models um, trusted me, they want they wanted work. And yep. that's a thing that people kind of at that point, a few years back in Houston, I know you you're familiar with it, too. A lot of these agencies had all these models. I see the smile you're making, but <laughs> nobody was getting work. Nobody was getting paid. Nobody nope. was getting test shoots. They circled so around I, the same models. They they use all the, and they use the same. I want to say three models, at every, over and over again. And then everybody else was just filler for the fashion shows and stuff like yeah. that. And I'm like, you know, how? What are your portfolios? So everybody's out there doing TFP, TFP, TFP. Ooh, that was the word. I TFP, hated that TFP. era of. I hated that era of that era was so creative. wild because anybody oh. with a photographer with a camera was oh a photographer. Anybody was a model, but I had these agency models. I had the concept. I put it all together. Um, because I always, as a person, I'm just a professional. Yeah. So that's something that I feel like when me and you talk about what we want to see young up and coming stylists need to have in their tool bag, not just tools. But there's trade tools, like knowing how to be professional, knowing how to write an email, knowing how to put together a mood board and how to communicate effectively and how to put together a team and how to work on a team are all trade um, skills that you need as a stylist. You need to know how to communicate. You need to know how to communicate verbally and written because when I became an editor of my own magazine and I would get these emails and I'm like, I don't know what they're trying to say. Like they're not stringing together oh. a cohesive thought. Let me ask so, something because a lot of people get knows and they think it's because of who they are or they're not there yet. It's like, I don't know what you're trying to say to me, boo boo. Like I don't, you just, the words, the grammar, 
And I'm not saying you have to talk all proper, but be able to string together a complete thought and communicate to me what you're trying to do so I can support you in it. So I put together this concept with these models, had everything all put together. And um, the way I like strategized it was we were going to do headshots, um, three quarter shot, full body shot for every model in their look. And then do the editorial stuff like all together and staged. And it came out really well. And I just remember um, just the epicness of it. Like even the photographer was just like, wow, nobody's done anything like this. Like put together something like this independently. And from there, that's how my reputation grew was these models went and told their other model friends, hey, there's this girl she's going to help you build your portfolio mm-hmm. if you become cool with her and hey, she'll do this and that for you she's going to pull clothes and she got wardrobe and she puts makeup like they didn't have to pay for anything because yeah. at that point I was testing I knew I just needed to learn and build my portfolio mm-hmm. and I feel like that's another thing that stylists miss out on too is they come out thinking that they're entitled to stuff I'm not saying everybody should work for free because you shouldn't at all you should get paid. I'm very much about my coins, but you also have to know that when you're starting out, you're an apprentice, you're learning. And so you should be willing to collab with other professionals so that you can get where you need to go because we can't do it alone. And that's how me and you got together. You can do, you can be, you know, amazing in your own right. But when you want to get to that next level, some, yes. it, it requires other people to get to that next level. It requires other people to achieve, sometimes to achieve our goals. Like we have to rely on other people to help push us up. And then when we get up, you know, pull them back up with us too. So moving forward from that, um, it was a really dope shoot. Everybody was excited. It built my reputation. I started getting more and more agency models and, you know, um, that was kind of like the thing that was known about me in Houston mm-hmm. is like, Oh, she got all these models and she, and I still like have a lot of models that I'm friends with because I understand the dynamic of trying to get work and yes. I respect them. I was never a person to use people. It's like, Oh, we all going to win. We all going to eat. So if I have resources that I can use to help you and you need something, I'm going to help you. So that's, it's never going to be a question. We can all help each other. So that was my first shoot and it led to many, many more shoots and it led to me not having to, it led to me having a good quality of teams of people to work with that were not necessarily the inner circle because like the models, you know, like, everybody's trying to work we were none of us were working for magazine there were magazines in houston there were magazines but Mm -hmm. they had who they wanted to work with and still it's funny to see Mm -hmm. (laughs) not necessarily nepotism but like gatekeeping that's the word of 2020 yes there there's some gatekeepers in houston that try not try but we're just not open to allowing other people in it was just like y'all doing that shit over there and that's whatever and then I started seeing elements of like I have a particular way of styling you do too which I noticed back when we were like orbiting in other circles I was like oh when I see your work I knew that was Jane Doe I knew it everyone says that (laughs) exactly and so like same thing with me like people can look at something and be like oh Regina styled that that's that's something Regina did and at that time I had this signature I would put gloves 
mm-hmm. on models. Like I would do a and one glove <laughs> at that, and then like a whole bunch. And so then when I started seeing it, when I saw it in Houston Magazine, I was like, oh, y'all cute. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was like, that's cute. <laughs> and I was like, and it, and this to even go further with the tea, I used to use red gloves. Like mm-hmm. if I finished a look, like to make it like my say this is me put my stink on it it would be a like a pair of red gloves and so when I saw these red riding gloves I was like I mean driving gloves I was like I'm always using red because I have vintage I was collecting vintage at that point that's when I started collecting vintage and so I had all these different driving gloves from like the 20s 30s and 40s or whatever and I was just like oh that's really cute so I was like to me in my head instead of being like insulted about it I was like oh they noticed me they noticed me oh, they yeah. know I exist you know yep. my thing so, was the um high neck that was my yes. signature my stink on it is always putting like an exaggerated neck on someone on yes. an elongated yes. neck so yeah I definitely know what you're talking about to your to your aesthetic too I feel like it's just I don't know how to describe it but it was just a like a certain way of turning the look that I was just like, yeah, that's her. I know that. And then when I would see other people copy it, it was a difference in their execution. I was like, I know who they're trying to copy. You know, you know like, it, it's very apparent. <laughs> but um, let's see, my first personal um, styling experience, I don't remember it too well. I just remember it, like it had left me with a bad taste in my mouth. I was styling... Um, some clients uh the it was a mom and a daughter Mm -hmm. and I had done closet um detox for them and the daughter was like transitioning from she used to be a little bit um heavier set and so she wanted to transition into wearing more smaller clothes she lost a lot of weight so I wanted to help her celebrate and be more confident but at the same time be conscious of this is a young girl like she was 16 so it's like but the I just the vibe and flow of the clients they weren't um very pleasant yeah and so unfortunately like I didn't that was when I knew like I wouldn't do just anything for money I didn't like how they talked to me and so like they wanted me to come back but I felt a way about how they talked to me or about certain things or how they talked about things where I was just like I don't have to take this like they paid very good so it was never about pay but I was just like ah this is not gonna be it for me right here yeah. not this I want to feel creative and be able to do things with people who celebrate me versus people who teach treat me like the help so that always kind of rubs me the wrong way because I like to I don't have to be your friend yeah. but I will be friendly with you and that's that's a requirement for me in my mm-hmm. working environment is that I want to have peace and harmony exactly. where I'm working it's important to know when to walk away um, because yeah. we don't know sometimes because we'd be so consumed with the creativeness of it or the monetary gain. Um, but I value my peace over everything. So if I even feel wrong flags now, I'm out. Uh, yeah. Even if, it, if, even if I'm tripping, I'm out. Cause yeah, <laughs> if, if exactly. To... <laughs> Cause it's about my energy too. Yep, if if I'm I have tripping, to go, I'm out. I'm out. It's just, um, I've definitely in my entire 15 years of fashion styling almost I would say I maybe had four people that I just had to be like okay I don't even care what you say about me after this I don't care we never work together you have to get up out of my space yeah (laughs) you just because if you don't just 
it, it's been that way. So um, mm-hmm. I like to, I'm very observant. I'm a, I'm an empath. So I'm, I'm going to feel it anyway. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Y'all didn't get to experience that with me because you and Ezra, I just immediately gravitated towards you guys. But um, I'm not natural. Good friendly. energy. <laughs> At all. I'm always on the lookout. Um, yeah. But yeah. So who's your favorite, your first celebrity client? Who was it? I got to do a project. I don't even know if I'm allowed to like use people's names, but I mean certain people's names, but I got to do a project for how about this? We'll skip that person. Well my first <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll skip that one. I got to do but there uh, here's my first when I video that mm-hmm. I got to do that I really enjoyed. And it was um what is this guy's name? His name was Major Money. And yeah, it's yeah. not so much about him. It was about who was featured in his video. So he had um, Bun B yeah. and Mike D. And so that was my first like celebrity like moment, like doing this video yeah. and like all the stuff that I brought out for him. And like, um, of course, there was other things that like me bringing extra stuff gets to be used by other people and so I'm just like okay this is cool like it was a really good scenario and situation um it was funny because there was a not a bad but a small misunderstanding because with the director because it was like hey normally the girls when they come to do styling for my videos they just drop off the clothes and leave and I was like and wait I did it uh-uh. <laughs> I'm not, not over here <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. There is literally $13,000 worth of merchandise mm. in here that's in my name. Sure. I'm not going mm. anywhere. I'll sit in the room and be quiet. You don't have to see me, but I'm not leaving. Oh, and so no. he was like, oh, okay. You know, and the funny thing too was like um, the conversation about pricing and stuff because we filmed for two days and when we were done, he um, he was like, okay. You, you're gonna do more music videos after this and I was like I don't know he was like welcome to the dark side and I was like because <laughs> like I literally that was my first foray into mm. videos like and I was good with it I was just like this is not bad because I focused on just the talent mm-hmm. there's a time where I did a music video and they wanted me to style the talent the the video um vixens so like a a talent b talent they wanted me to style all the extras and i was like what was the budget this must have been back with big pimp and a million dollar budgets for the video oh no 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 you would have thought because like the way i was sold (laughs) on this this video was oh yeah it's sponsored by blank because you might have to beep out the, the name of the brand. A very well-known brand was sponsoring this video, supposedly. What's their brand color? And they're going to be like, the name will be left in the comments. But, um, they, they were supposed to be bringing an 18-wheeler full of their, their new collection. And so you were just going to style every, me, you're going to just style everybody from the, you know, 18-wheeler, bring your assistant, and we'll have also some people there to help you, but that's what that's what it is. And I'm like, oh, okay, easy peasy. No, not easy peasy. They didn't have none of that. Then they had a rep come from this brand with a duffel bag of pieces for the main talent, for one of the main talent. 
And I was like, okay. And the talent was like, this particular brand runs small. It's a European brand. And he's like super tall and was like, yeah, this shit ain't gonna work. And I was like, no, I'll make it work. I'll make it work for you. So I'm cutting these expensive sweatshirts, cutting the sleeves off of it and stuff. And just, and the guy, the rep is looking like cut one more. And he literally said that. He said, cut one more sweatshirt. And I looked. I took my scissors and I was like, okay, like, you not, I mean, I got to do what I need to do to make this work for the client and make it stylish. Like, this is what you brought this year for. And a lot of times the fit, like, you know, people don't realize sometimes when things are on a, on the talent, it's pinned in the back. You can't see the back, how it's all pinned and stapled and scrunched right. up. And it's an illusion. We're magicians. magicians. Yes, magicians. <laughs> Cause, and I've had people say this to me when they buy stuff from a store and then they get home, they're like, how come it doesn't look the same as like on the mannequin and well, blah, Body blah, not included. <laughs> that was probably taped on that person, on that model, on that mannequin. It was clipped. It was pinned. It was sewn onto them a certain way to make that like ideal appealing fit. So mm-hmm. yeah, just jumping around though, like dealing with celebrities requires that extra because they want to look good because they are their brand and so you cannot you cannot trip you cannot slip up you cannot allow other people yeah not because at all. you, you got one bad moment where your client looks like hell on the red carpet they are gonna eat you up i'm yeah. so glad i am not doing red carpets in 2020 not saying i would kill i would kill it in a good way but i love red carpet man oh i'm talking about the comment section of the red carpet i'm glad i never had that sort of moment but people like are brutal now i've had a moment where i had a um look and now i get to tell my story so um it was the NAACP awards and I had picked out this bomb outfit for my client. However, it was we had several looks and mm-hmm. we went with one um particular look that was just fucking fierce and um we had body tape and everything but it was hot that day. Like it was oh, ridiculously hot. And the body tape kept giving out. It was just like nope, nope, <laughs> no, no. Fuck your dreams. No. Not today. <laughs> and so the client, she wasn't even tripping. She was just like, well, it is what it is. Let's go. Like, we're late for the carpet. And I was like, yo, okay. And she was like, yeah. I was like, well, okay. I mean, let's let's go. Let's make it work. And it was stunning because I feel like she felt so confident in it. She loved the look that it was memorable. It got me into Vogue, L, Rolling Stones. Like I was like, that look was everywhere. And I was just mm-hmm. like, okay. Now the <laughs> comments, people had things to say about it. Like, mm-hmm. why you let her go out there with that new bra on and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, uh, she wanted to. And sometimes like there's things that we <laughs> talk, about it. <laughs> talk about it. Talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's talk about it. And then people were like, well, you should have, because she had a blue purse. Well, you should have matched it with the blue purse. You know what? I was thinking that too. But she wanted, she wore it the way she wore it and rolled with the punches because what I like about that particular client is like, she does not have time to stress on stuff. Like, it's like, it is what it is. Let's go. You know, and yeah. she likes to be, she likes to be very involved in her looks and have um personal autonomy and like involvement like to because of the way she grew up in hollywood and 
being a child actress, it's like, I want to have the final say. I'm going to speak about what I want to do. And I like that. Um, I liked it because honestly, I feel like when it comes to black and white um, celebrities, there's a lot more leeway for young white celebrities. And I'm not trying to make this a racial thing. It's just an observation of the industry that they can do things and have snafus and be like, oh, you know, well, I did it on purpose. And they're just like, oh, wow. And it becomes a trend. But our talent, our community is under so much more heavier, intense scrutiny that you can't, you can't even, you know, break the rules. And that's what being a stylist is about is like, learn the rules so you can break them, you know, make new stuff, (laughs) do new things. And honestly, what was so funny was shortly after that, on all the red carpets, I saw a lot more white women wearing nude bras, just nude bra blazers open. Do you remember that being the, like the mode? And it was like nude bra, um, the the high waisted, uh, wide leg and it was just like, yeah, I'm wearing a bra, bitch. You know, I and hate, then that I became the thing, and I was like, oh. So, I mean, if enough people liked it and I got to be in vogue behind it and then other people following that consequently decided they were going to wear new bras, I guess it was a moment. <laughs> a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, question yes. is, mm-hmm. how did you know that you were actually ready to become a fashion stylist? So, or what made you actually, you know, jump into this field? So, I got into fashion styling in a roundabout way. Um, my niece... Uh, was actually a young uh, model. She was mm-hmm. 13 and 5'9", like super freaking tall. Wow. Um, we were always <laughs> getting stopped everywhere. And so um, my mom actually used to model when, uh, like in the 70s. And so my mom's like, hey, you should help her. And, you know, and so I was like, okay, you know, I was very close to my niece. So it was like, she was my baby. So I would drive her to all of her um, appointments. <laughs> So that her parents could still go to work every day because they're just like, model, whatever, okay, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, through that, like, the different photographers on set, I'm bringing clothes for her to wear. They'd be like, oh, um, do you mind if you, we borrow a few of these things for one of our other models? And I kind of started to be like, well, no, I'll dress her, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. control freak. Oh, I'll dress them. I got it. And then, <laughs> I got it. And then from there, they started, you know, passing my name around to other photographers. And so I went, um, and I got into magazines like that, other mm-hmm. magazines, um, a photographer reached out to me, asked me to style something. And I did. And then they brought me onto the magazine that they were working at. And I worked there for two years and learned a lot and did some covers and stuff for that magazine. And then um, I branched out and did my own. I did research and I was like, well, is this it? Is this the peak of what this career field has to offer? And found out that that wasn't it. And so then I started submitting my own work to yeah. international publications, to other places. And um, I stayed in that lane as an editorial stylist for a while. I did music videos every now and then, but mm-hmm. that wasn't my juge at that point. I was kind of snobby. And I was just like, I don't want to be. <laughs> I want you. Especially when you think you're going to be on set for maybe eight hours and then it's a 14 hour day. You're a 15 hour day minimum. (laughs) Yeah. So I was just like, okay. Um, But I feel like I styled for many years and did not feel I was ready to be a celebrity stylist. And I watched a lot of my peers as go on to working with celebrities and stuff like that. And I was like, Ooh, I want to do that. 
but I'm not ready. I don't know if I want to do that. You know, I didn't feel like it wasn't that I didn't think I was good enough. I did not feel that I was ready for the, um, the energy exchange that yeah. would be required of me and what kind of like, <laughs> you know, running all over and, you know, cause when you become someone's stylist, you're almost like their personal assistant. Yeah. You know, you get to know them very intimately and it's a relationship. You're in a, a more than a business relationship. That's like, whether y'all are, you know, friends or not, y'all are, y'all are friends. You have yeah. to become these people's friends and it's a good thing, but I, um, I wasn't ready for that at that time. And then once I became, you know, got my first celebrity client, I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. And then the next nice. one, and then I took a break. And then when I got, uh, when I started working with Imani, that mm -hmm. was really cool. I was like, okay. Um, the funny thing was her publicist, I always, you know, this is something to say to new stylists too. Yeah. Do not overlook the power of sliding in someone's DMs. Like I've gotten so many opportunities for myself just by sliding in DMs, shooting my shot. You're like, hey, I'm so-and-so. This is my work. This is what I've done. I'm really interested in your client. And that's how I got to work with her. Um, her publicist was like, oh, wow, yeah, she needs a stylist. Um, can you, let's jump on a phone call. So we had a phone call. Then we FaceTime. And then the publicist was very involved in what she had in her mind of how she wanted the client to look. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, not knowing that I should have been speaking more to the client, to Imani. Yeah. And so I came out there with all this stuff based on what the, uh, the publicist wanted. That was not what she wanted And it was like, so I'm looking at her body language and her energy and I'm looking at her and I'm like, seeing her in person, I was like, this is not what she wants. Like, this is not, this is not youthful and fun and all this stuff. So I was like, Hey, I've got a couple of more things. Let's, so, you know, when I go and take her in the room and to, to change her away from the publicist, I pull out some other stuff that I had that was more like things that I brought for me, but I was like, here, let me, let me hook you up. So I've like put this t-shirt, a band. I'm, I love band t-shirts, vintage band t-shirts. I put this t-shirt on her course I'm bigger than her so I cut into a crop top on her cut the sleeves off cut the neckline and so as I'm doing this she's like yeah like she went from being closed to opening up and being like yeah. yeah and I'm like can I look in your closet you know she's like yeah I'm pulling out her jeans put some boots on mm -hmm. put this hat on her create a whole look yeah. and she's like okay yes this is what I like and I'm like yeah like you're in your 20s we're we're we were both in our 20s at that point uh like this is more youthful and fun versus the Jackie Kennedy Onassis stuff that the lady kind of was like A-line <laughs> dresses and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, cool. girl, like, she was like, oh, <laughs> you know, she likes Jada Pinkett. Yes, she likes Jada Pinkett, but she don't want to dress like Jada Pinkett. <laughs> Not the mom side of Jada Pinkett anyway. So it was like, right. it was, so we started communicating. I put together some more looks. And the funny thing was, that was a that meeting was going to be me packing her bag for a um book signing obligation she had to do in new york so it was literally that critical where i was just like oh my god if none of those outfits would have worked yeah. i wouldn't have got the job because it was yeah. just like you didn't bring anything so then when i switched everything up gave her some very very useful looks some capes and some it was all kind of stuff helped her she was wearing braids at that time gave her some recommendations of how to style her braids mm -hmm. for the looks to go with it put it all together 
and packaged it. And she was just like, yeah, this works. And make it easy and convenient for her. Like, that's another big thing. I feel like sometimes when I'm watching other celebrity stylists, like, they feel that they're the celebrity. And so they're very hands off. And you can be that way if you have an assistant who's going to be hands on and handle it. (laughs) But they kind of are just like, oh, yeah, girl, this works, you know, and just lay it on their bed and walk off. And it's like, so what's she going to wear with that? Like, you know, like put it together. (laughs) And I'm not too proud to steam my clients' clothes for them, pack their suitcases. You know, I do a lot of stuff for my clients, a lot. And I know they appreciate it because that's part of the service. Like, I'm going to It's an experience. This is a great segue into my next question. (laughs) Right. So something I tell stylists all the time, uh, which piggybacks off of what you just said, is fashion styling is only glamorous for the client. Yes. It's never glamorous for the stylist. (laughs) There is no part of this experience from start to finish that is glamorous for the actual stylist. So if you're getting into the industry trying to be the celebrity, you do better off going that route than being a stylist because you are a part of a development team. You are to yes. help build someone's lookup. Um, it's a luxury experience you're providing. You are the worker. You're not yes. the client. So it's important to know that although the industry can be a glamorous one, it's not mm-hmm. glamorous for the stylist. So with that, I wanted to ask you, what is a big misconception do you think stylists have about becoming fashion stylists before entering the industry? Um, a lot of them think, I think that it's like you said, the glamour. And mm-hmm. they also think about only high-end brands and couture and all of this other stuff. And they focus too much on, you know, red carpet and, Givenchy and Gucci and all of this other stuff and it's like that's really not so much that's not a lot of my that's not the majority of my job I probably touch high-end brands like maybe two percent of my time but that's just for me and my clients yeah I feel like there are clients that are very brand conscious but that's not often a lot of my clients are wearing I guess maybe because I'm in the LA market yeah a lot of my clients wearing you know emerging designer and that's how people get on like Pierre Moss and all of those like Mm -hmm. because there's you know there's celebrities that want to wear something that nobody's ever heard of they want to have they don't want to have the same thing as everybody else Mm -hmm. they don't want to wear stuff that people are going to see them wear more often that's why it's funny when Tiffany Haddish talked about that uh, dress, the Alexander McQueen dress. Girl, she said she's going to wear that dress over and over and over. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the funny thing as a stylist, we that's like an industry like joke because it's like, she bought it. She didn't pull it because like she, right. she didn't know it Boom. Because she bought paid it. for it. <laughs> and she was like, I'm going to wear this over and over again because I paid for it. Mm, most of our clients, we pull and we take it back. So you're right not going to see that again. Um, unless they're gifted it. And then I make sure that when they're gifted pieces, I work it into their closet in a way that you're not going to be like, oh, that's the same jumpsuit she wore to MTV Exactly. Nah, you're not going to know that when they're wearing it again. And, you know, I'll work it out in such a way that it's just like, it's bomb and that's it. You That yeah. they can get more use out of it. Um, a lot of stylists don't realize that we also need to have an understanding of fashion, not just from the perspective of knowing brands, yeah. but you need to know fit. You need to know how to fit people. You know, like 
like you were saying, like mm-hmm. you didn't get to do a proper fitting on uh, the, the guy for um, the BET Awards. Mm-hmm. So like a fitting is so, as a stylist, you know, now <sighs> it's like crucial. Yeah. Because you can pick out a bomb outfit and then you put it on them and it's like, ooh, that don't look. Yeah. Or something could have hanger appeal, but don't give you that same. Yes. <laughs> and then some things can be salvaged and we can tailor it. And yeah. so I, I like, that's a good thing too about my level of pull is like the showrooms that I work with. I have um, two different tailors that I work with in LA. Well, I have a couple, but like the ones that I go to reliably most often is the same two. And they're able to tailor that piece for my client, for the red carpet, for their event, for a party, whatever, whatever. And then they know about how to do the hidden stitches and seams and stuff like that. So that they don't damage the garment exactly. and then we can just remove those stitches not me but the tailor and take it back to the showroom okay. there are so many that's a pro tip that are wearing <laughs> pro tip pro tip pro tip pro tip <laughs> definitely <laughs> keep that like, yeah that's important so i feel like we when we start talking to these young stylists the importance of fit and because when you're just thrust into it, especially too, like when I started, I was styling a lot of my models and clients in ready to wear. Mm-hmm. So like you said, like H&M, Zara, uh, Forever 21, yeah. you're getting these things. And it's like right off the rack and it's made for a standard body type, but if, no one is standard. No one is standard. None of us so, anyway, sis. <laughs> yeah, no one is standard. That's so basic. And so you, like, when you move up as a stylist and you start working with designer pieces, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Like, right. what do I do? You have to learn how to maneuver the piece and be creative and use your mind right. to be able to see it when we are looking at it with the, the, you know, the hanger appeal and then see it on that person and be like, okay, what do I need to do to make this work on them? Do I need to roll the sleeves up? Yeah. Do I need to pin it in the back? Do I need to you know, create faux um, hymns or do I need to create, you know, certain seams on the bus line to make this more appealing? Because sometimes a designer has a particular vision in mind for the piece and they create it. But Mm -hmm. once I style it, it may not be, you know, I've had designers that I've worked with go back and rework a piece because of the way I styled it. And they're like, you know what? (laughs) You know, then how I imagine it, you know? So that is something that young stylists um, need to think about is it's about more than just the clothes. Right. It's about architecture. It's about how do I make this piece, you know, conform to my vision? How does, how does this piece fit into the masterpiece that I'm playing, you know, that I'm painting, that I'm, you know, I see it as the same as music too. It's like, it's a concert mm-hmm. and all the pieces need, everybody needs to play their part and work. So I'm with you. So before we close out, I did want to ask, what mark will you leave on the fashion styling community? <laughs> um that's a tough one let's see the mark that I want to leave I want to impact the fashion community from a standpoint of education but at the same time I want to break the rules I want to change things and the way we are doing things I've always I'm always wanting to change things like I said (laughs) learn the rules so you can break them period um 
I want us to, I want this as far as my lasting impact on the industry, I want to leave the fashion industry in a way that people are changing the way we dress and that we're not so conscious of just these typical fashion houses like the big names and we see a rise of more emerging designers because there's I feel like we're I'm bored in fashion I'm Mm -hmm. bored in Houston in fashion (laughs) I'm bored when I get up and put on clothes like we become too much like cookie cutters yeah I want futuristic shit I want to see crazy avant-garde be our daily I want that to be our ready to wear I don't want to just be like I mean, right now I'm all about hobo chic and sweatpants and quarantine fashion. But when we come out of this, I want to see us go to that next level where, you know, people's outfits are changing colors. And I want to see, you know, the fabric be utilitarian. Like it has a Mm -hmm. purpose where it's not, where it can protect you from the rain and be heat insulated. And I want to see technology and fashion change as well as it become more of a work of art as well like I want to that's what I want to see I want to be the catalyst for that type of transformation in the fashion industry well damn it I think you can do it (laughs) to close out this is my very last question I would like to ask you um imagine you're at your first photo shoot this your very first fashion styling experience and you're there bring yourself back to that place if you now could tell your stylist self something at that photo shoot or at that uh event what would you say hmm i would change up some of the stuff that i (laughs) (laughs) take it back (laughs) i i would literally be directed myself i'd be like girl are you sure about that that's really what you want to put on her okay because you got this other piece over here i'm i'm a perfectionist and i used to be so like I still, I'm not as much now mm-hmm. as crucial into myself as I, I used to be, but I'll even look at shoots now and I'll be like, Ooh, I should have did this. I yeah. wish I would have caught that strand of hair or tightened this button, like yeah. little things. People will look at my stuff and be like, Oh, that's fire. They're looking at it in the magazine. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, thing. but I should have buttoned that top button up, you know, <laughs> or yeah. I should have took one of those gloves off, you know? So I, I definitely would have some notes for little <laughs> Regina and I would be like, Hey girl, <laughs> okay. I know you don't have any money. So you doing this bargain photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no, that's a fact. I would tell myself to uh, be a little bit more teachable and yeah. a little bit more open and to trust the process and not just, uh, just be so in a rush to be on top, just to kind of you mm. know transition slowly um yeah and with that being said this was an amazing episode this is episode two called my first time we talked about our fashion styling experiences hopefully you guys were able to catch some jewels learn something from this we get a tyra clip where she's like i hope you learned something from this (laughs) (laughs) so tell the people where to find you what you have going on and uh we're gonna wrap it up Oh yes, my plug. I get to plug myself. Plug it down. (laughs) You can find me on Instagram as Zucaro Styling, and that's for my styling page. And so I'm gonna spell it for you because it's kind of hard. Z U C C H E R O 
styling zucchero it means sugar in italian um you can find me on instagram you can find my photography because again all these different hats it's going to be zucchero photographia so that's F O. You just type in the Z U C and you'll I come up. I'm pretty much I'm gonna include it all too. on Instagram. <laughs> and um you can go visit my website, which I made easier for you guys. It's www.reginacsmoretto.com. And you can check out all my work. You can follow me, you can message me. I'm always mentoring young stylists. So um you can check Check me out there, ask me questions, DM me, comment on my photos and ask questions mm-hmm. about the styling. If you have questions about like technical questions, like why did you put that like this? Or how did you pull? Where did you pull from? Feel free. I'm here as an educator resource. I've always wanted someone to be, I want to be the person in the industry that I needed for myself to be able yes. to say, oh, don't do yes. that. Or I even don't do that. Here's where you can find that. Here's where you can go. This is how you do it. Because a lot of people get really selfish and insecure and feel like, you know, they, they want to withhold information. But yeah. follow me, find me. Don't follow me on Twitter because that's not what you want. So, <laughs> and thank you so much. Thank you so <laughs> thank much. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you for having me. I appreciate <laughs> you so much for all that you do. I really encourage you guys to go and check her out. Um, she is amazing. I don't want to share her with y'all, but I will. No, I'm just joking. Um, thank you so much. And thank you. We're wrapping it up. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, stylist. Bye, stylist.